0: You must remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental thing Sky is bright and clear. Oh moon, don't keep me waiting here tonight. Watching and waiting, heart a palpitating, longing.
1: Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us this week, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Two, twenty. Two minutes and twenty seconds. You know, I still have a two, mute button. Twenty. I still have the mute button. She says it went
2: over the show. I don't think it did. It wasn't that loud. It's
3: kind of sounded like this. Okay.
2: Uh, leave it on. That's Harry Nilsson. He, he, you know, know, what I did was about two years ago, you know, I was going through eBay like you walk through a market and I saw a box set of 15 albums of everything Harry Nilsson ever did with RCA for like 60 bucks. That's like four bucks a CD, you know. Come on, I mean. And
1: you're still the guy that likes the albums and the CDs. Well, you're not going to get all that off of some
2: download. Okay, I know. I know what your point is. But the thing is, yes, I do like CDs because I listen to, I have older cars that still have CD players in them. I'm not being dismissive of what you're saying. I do realize that streaming exists. But you also, you also
1: very much like, I like looking at the you also thing. Like yes, books. the
2: libretto and all that—that that does not come with streaming services.
1: No, by I'm the talking way. about books now. You yeah, like book, books but instead I like of reading thing. on a tap. But uh,
2: the point that I'm trying to make here, without going down a rabbit hole, is this. Harry Nilsson in his brief career. I mean, he died like in his fifties. He was bad. <laughs> he drank a lot. Smoked like a chimney. Um, he he. He paid homage. He, he wrote a lot of good original stuff of his own, but he also paid homage to other styles and types of music in ways that um, a lot of more self-absorbed uh, musician types would never dream of doing because, you know, they don't think anything exists outside their little orbit. And and you know, Harry Nilsson did albums of you know, older music, as well as a lot of his own stuff, which kind of has more of a Lennon-McCartney feel to some of it because he did very much idolize the Beatles. And when John Lennon was asked, what American groups do you like, he said Nielsen because he thought that was the name of a group. Just like people thought Jethro Tull was the name of a guy. Yeah. You know. Anyway, the point is, uh, I don't think John Lennon knew it wasn't a group. You know, here he is. And then he and Harry Nilsson met each other and became probably too good of friends. They got in a lot of trouble drinking together. And they did an album, which is probably the worst one that, <laughs> that Harry Nilsson did. with The one with John. It's they sit around and idolize each other, which is kind of. Never a good, you know. That's n- that's not a good recipe for a good album.
4: I'll I'll say this too. On you're talking about the streaming versus CDs or you know physical. You know, the I don't care what you say. The any streaming sound is not as good. It's not as good. Uh, it'll be tingy or you won't hear certain instrumentation. It's it's not as good, and vinyl is arguably better than CDs. The, the
2: more the more hands, it's like money, you know. It's like soap. Yeah. What did Warren Buffett yeah, say? Yeah. Money's like soap. The more hands it passes through, you're going to lose something. Yep. It's just inevitable, you know. Now, title and this whole Jay Z thing. The big pitch on that was it's supposed to be just as good. And I don't. I've never listened to title. I know they can't T I D A L. I know they came out a few years ago as all this fanfare. You know, this is going to be the best streaming experience ever. I don't know that it's really caught on. I don't hear anybody that uses it. No. I- but, um, I mean, you're, you're going to lose. I don't care. It's just a matter of physics. Yeah. You know, the stuff going through the line or whatever it comes through, you will lose highs and lows.
4: That's right. Well, and it's you know, with vinyl, you're going from analog to analog. Anytime you have something that goes to digital, there's gonna be some manipulation they clip it. of the there's, ha- there's something. Low ends, high ends, something will the get digital
2: clipped. is not the actual sound, it's an emulation
4: yeah. of the sound. Yeah. It is an emulation all the way through and through. That's right. Now, let me tie this real quick, segue to the investment side thing, real quick. So, we're talking about. Oh, uh, it's a perfect segue. Leave it on the Put it on the teeth. Go ahead. No. um, I'm waiting on this one. We're talking about purity, if you will. Yeah. Um, Anytime you have any kind of a package product or a derivative, you're taking some of that purity out of the investment, you know, be it a mutual fund or be it, uh, uh, I mean, let's look at like a, a, an ETF or a closed-end fund. It, it, there is something that's distilled there. Um, or if, let's say you're looking at an ETF because, hey, this is in an area that is illiquid. It's an illiquid security. And you think, okay, I'm going to buy an ETF or a closed-end fund or a mutual fund because it has more liquidity. It doesn't. You can't have more liquidity than the underlying can't. asset. You can't have something that's more pure than an acoustic guitar than being than having Which a microphone you, right in front of if, an acoustic guitar. If
2: you think about REITs, you know that has real real estate behind it. Those can get mispriced all over the place. Those are right. real estate investment trusts. And so when you buy a REIT that's got real estate, not mortgages or some other kind of uh, readily collateral, collateral, yeah, the price is at best an approximation of the underlying value right. of the assets. So that's why, and it's just, I'm going off on them. We've been buying a REIT lately that mm-hmm. we like, that we think is very attractively priced vis-a-vis, the underlying real estate. So
4: Yeah. So it's just a, a side note, you know, there investing it's it's like a lot of other things. I mean, there there are parallels just, you know, in life, in, you know, we're talking about music. It's kind of the same thing. There there are certain laws that govern everything. You can't get away and, from it. And you can't get away from something that's more pure than owning a stock. Directly, yeah. or outright, rather than being in some form of a derivative. All right, so
2: you've got these articles. Somehow, you, you you're trying to manipulate me here into what <laughs> you want me to talk about, which is fine. I can be very manipulated. Um, July CPI offered much to like, not enough to change the Fed's hawkish bias. Okay, as I recall you know, the trajectory was up a little bit. And I started seeing these articles coming out. Oh, the market is not prepared for the resurgence in inflation that's coming. But my question is, what would be driving it? Because, you know, the economy's already operating about as full tilt as it can. And yet things are starting to, you know, slip a little bit. I mean, you know, the Fed is in the money destruction business right now. They, yeah. you know, they're unwinding their balance sheet. Although people say we're turning around and gonna borrow another trillion dollars at the federal level, these things can all be countercurrents to some degree. So you see the the ten year treasury trading as cheap as a four fifteen again today um i guess making room
3: for all this new debt that's yeah, the, coming down the road the auction yesterday didn't go as planned so they had to raise their their yield offering the treasury did that's why you saw the jump up because it was four percent the day before so right we're up to four fifteen in two days and it's because what were the government's they issuing debt 30, 30 year was one of the they do multiple they don't do but the 30 year very often they they right they had a and I would need to to see the other li- see the list to see everything, but that was so typically one of the things do driving it. A whole
2: bunch of stuff, you know. They might do a new ten year. I don't know where the coupon is.
3: They have the weekly new- auctions for short term paper, as, as yeah, it they, is, they, they, they weekly do weekly
2: auctions. Yeah. But but every now and then they'll do a thirty year. They right. only do a thirty year like once
3: a year or yeah. something. And they do longer dated. I mean, it might be a a seven year or five year, right. and they'll they'll do those periodically. But too. But the
2: point is, you know. The
3: treasury market has backed up a little
2: bit, but I don't think inflation has backed up as much, which is at some point, you know, treasuries coming to market, lots of them can push the price down regardless of what's going on with inflation. Mm -hmm. It's just a supply demand thing. You know, we got too much paper for now. Yeah, they'll figure out how to absorb it, but it's... I think, you know, I don't know how I think this because sometimes my thinking is very odd, but I still think somewhere in there, you're going to see value in the long end bonds. Now, let me just say something, and this is going to reflect our investment bias, if you will, or procedure the things that we invest in that have longer duration are not invested in us treasury bonds bills bills to some extent in our in our money market funds but the longer term investment they are not treasury bonds they are mortgage backed securities what is a mortgage backed security it is a security a bond it's really not a bond. It's called a pass-through certificate. Why is it not a bond? Because it doesn't mature the same way a bond does. Bond has in- interest during the interim and a hard maturity when you get all your principal back. With, with a mortgage-backed security, you're getting principal back every month as part of the pay-down of the underlying mortgages. We like mortgage-backed securities because they have real collateral behind them. They're homes. They do have a government guarantee on them. Quite frankly, in this market, you don't need the government guarantee because there's plenty of, uh, of uh, uh, excess collateral in the home price versus the typical mortgage balance. Here's another thing. Most of those mortgages out there are at a rate – below what the current mortgage rate is. Right now, we're looking at, what, 7% yeah. on a 30-year mortgage. I mean, a lot of these things are at 3 and 4%, That's right. which means they're trading at a discount. What does that mean for a bond investor? It's actually good news because it means, you know, you have mortgages trading at a discount. They are likely to be outstanding, for longer, because people are very much less likely to prepay a three-and-a-half report. What are you going to go do, prepay a 3% mortgage and go get one at seven? Man, I killed it on that. You know, I only raised my payment by $400 a month. I could, I, if, if I'd been unlucky, I might have raised it 500 a month. The, the fact is they're not going to do that. They're going to wish they could borrow more at that old rate that they had. So those outstanding mortgage-backed bonds backed by, in some cases, as low as 2% mortgages, 3%, 4% mortgages, those are all trading at a discount. They are going to remain outstanding longer, which means if you own a security that is backed by these things, your yield is more likely to... To remain intact mm-hmm. for a longer period of time, that's where we're buying. Um, that's what, where we're buying duration is things backed by that.
3: Right, and Tom. The other point to make about that: if mortgage rates are so low, uh, are so high now compared to where they they actually uh, secured their mortgage when they purchased their house or refinanced it. Things are going to need to be repaired or updated, and they're going to stay in place. They're going to improve that product. So if anything, that's going to increase the value of the collateral. People are
2: much less likely to swap houses today simply for the fact of what it costs to do the mortgage today than what it cost a year and a half, two years ago.
4: To that point, uh, I saw an interesting chart. Uh, This is from Y Charts. Uh, in fourth quarter of 2019, uh, U.S. home equity uh, was about 19.4 trillion. Second quarter of 2023, 28.7 trillion. Good lord! So you're looking at a 48, almost 48 percent increase in home equity during that That's period. That's amazing. Yeah, and so to your point, you know these outstanding uh, mortgage bonds. Um, you know, and they're not
2: making that many of them today because people aren't doing many mortgages. Today. No, exactly. I mean, you know, they're so, and, and over time they pay off mm-hmm. because, uh, even on a small mortgage, a three and a half percent mortgage, somebody's making a little bit of principal payment that, de- that, month. Right. And when they do that, that mortgage bond, uh, drops, in its factor by a small amount, meaning there's less principal tied up in it, and and you're you you've seen a significant drop in mortgage originations because the rates are so high,
4: right? And on the investment side you know that's when I, when we're able to find opportunities like in some of the things we were talking about that we own high dividend paying uh, stocks that own some of these things and it's beneficial for them long term you look at the flip side of that uh, a company like lending tree right which they were in the business uh, of refinancing tough business, right? um, you know that stock is you know cratered in the last three four years uh, because no refinancings um, and so in in any environment there are certain things that do well and others that don't or if and if you have good management they can navigate through those areas and try yeah. to take advantage G- good management of that company um, yeah you know something similar when we're talking about inflation, we used to own something in the portfolio. It was a, uh, a container shipping container leasing company, right? And we sold it. Um, you know, made good money on it um, because the lease rates just went through the Nuts. roof coming out of COVID. Um, f- during that time, the uh, container values and and the lease rates rose sevenfold during that period over like an eight month eight month period it was just a very short period um now
2: these, these are metal shipping containers that are typically what 40 feet long yeah and they go on the back of a, a well they go stacked on stack them stacked on ships yeah. across the ocean and then when they come off they typically put them on the back of they'll put them on trains or on the back of a, a tractor trailer. Truck. Right.
4: And talking about quality of management, um, th- this happened after we had sold, but it's quality of management. That company was actually purchased by, uh, essentially, it was a, a, a master limited partnership, uh, but they, it was purchased when the rates were that high. So they got a just an unbelievable offer on this company. Management said, i see what's coming down i see what's coming down the horizon you're having the infrastructure build out going on it's it's just like anything you know uh, shipping business is highly
2: highly cyclical right highly cyclical and therefore and those companies are even more leveraged to that cyclicality exactly uh, then, uh, I mean, they can go from $90 to $8, you
4: know, yes. in, in, uh, in a year. Right. I mean, so, so it's, it's a good operator in a cyclical business. You, you look at it like, um, uh, well, let me, uh, let me add, that's the kind of
3: management we're looking for. Ones that know that, Hey, this is too good to be true. It's not going to last. Yeah. Let's take the offer and go. We can we can regroup yeah, and do something got, else. And they they make out. money for the. I don't think it's closed yet, it?
4: yeah, Fourth quarter of this year, it's they basically it's it basically works. trading at the uh, buyout price. And Those right guys now.
2: are they're going to find a way to try to get out of that.
4: Oh, I guarantee. Hopefully, it. they have yeah, a big I mean, breakup fee though, yeah, so make yeah, sure yeah, they do. Get punished hard they, for the fact that deal. it hasn't
2: actually closed.
4: They're they're looking for every out they can get. Yeah. Um But you you, you, you see it in short, if I liked a short
2: thing,
4: (laughs) not that anybody ever
2: would short anything. And I would certainly never recommend
4: it. It's like oil companies that are good operators in a commodity that can be volatile, but there that's different because again, management looking out long-term, you know, deploying capital, um, they can be very, very good operators and managers of a volatile commodity.
2: Yeah.
3: That's right. I'd argue it's even more important to have good management in a cyclical or volatile business because the discipline really makes a difference if you make money or not. And there's times you have to just say, you know what? I'm not wedded to this business.
2: I'm out.
4: Yep.
1: And I'm in, apparently. (laughs) You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like for us to take a look at your portfolio... To give you a review so that you know what you own for sure <laughs> give us a call 859-233-0400 you can also go to our website and schedule an appointment directly from our homepage. we'd love to see you come see us we'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the financial hour stay tuned
0: don't
2: you should. this is Tom Dupree what do you know about investing perhaps what you know is limited to what you hear on CNBC or read in the Wall Street Journal you might be surprised to learn that investing can be made a lot simpler than you might imagine at Dupree Financial Group it's our aim to make the investment process very clear If you schedule a complimentary appointment with us to review your retirement investment accounts, we'll describe them for you. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at www.dupreefinancial.com.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this segment, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered if by Dupree she, Financial Group.
2: You know, I wonder, I wonder...
1: If she... Oh,
2: you know, I wonder if that violin solo uh, was done by Stefan Grappelli. It sounds exactly like him. And uh, anyway, that's more of... Harry Nilsson, um, you know, to me, this guy's just, he's got such a sensitivity for.
1: Uh oh, that just went away. That was not me.
2: Yeah, well, okay. That's because you use
3: Spotify.
1: No, I actually used your link, my friend and <laughs> oh my husband.
3: God. No Apple Music here.
2: Yeah. Uh.
1: No, no, no. And and it's all I heart condoned, too. So there's that.
2: I guarantee you that was Stefan Grappelli on that violin. I guarantee you. I'll just, I don't know. Well, I can't find it anywhere. And who's
3: Stefan Grappello?
2: Lee. Grappelli. Grappelli, sorry. For those who don't know. Uh, Well, he obviously a good violinist. uh, Yes. He's a French jazz violinist. Oh wow. He passed away uh in uh nineteen ninety-seven. He played a lot of songs with a guy named Django DJ A N G O Reinhardt, who was a guitarist. And he was it was it, it was kind of if you've ever listened to you ever watched the movie called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yes. Okay, do you know that kind of jaunty violin music in there that's playing all the time? It's sort of French Mediterranean jazz with a violin set to it. That's Stefan Grappelli. I don't know if he did the soundtrack for that particular movie, but it's kind of, you know, kind of just listen to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and then you'll know. What, Steve Steph- Martin. Stefan Grapelli, yeah. And it, no, the fact is, that's one of the better movies of a comedy. The The reason it's so funny is because it's very goofy. It's not really trying to be that funny. The part... Well, there's things in it now that you couldn't do. Obviously, that's true of every funny movie that was made over the last hundred years. You could never do the Ruprecht scene again. I mean, you know, it, it's just can't do it i mean I'm, I'm amazed they haven't taken a lot of that stuff off of
3: well trading places could never be made today Oh no, god no
2: you couldn't make 48
3: hours again nope. today none of that blazing saddles which was on tv this weekend so you think uh, you
2: could make that i bet they took a bunch of stuff out of it i'd say uh you're right i haven't watched you, you it think you could ever know. ride Huck finn again today i mean good lord all right this isn't what you listen to this show for. Sorry, you're getting it anyway. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so what is it you want me to talk about, Chad? I don't even know. <laughs> I nope. am truly lost at this point.
3: <laughs> what we try to do here at Dupree Financial Group is to give people good advice to to help them manage their money ah, properly. Advice, and, advice.
2: Now I'm back on track.
3: Great. And – what we're trying to do is also educate them about the choices that are out there and to try to look out for the pitfalls things and, and help them know the the issues that they're going to need to make good decisions on. And we look uh, at various surveys throughout the year, different companies put out. And, uh, you know, we've talked about those on prior radio shows, but most recently the within the last week, there's a Schwab, uh, retirement 401k plan survey that they have an independent uh, surveyor I guess produce and they do it every year but they survey a thousand people who are participants in 401k plans just to try to get a better understanding of how much they're saving how much do they think they need to save when they plan to retire answer some of those questions and just try to to paint a picture for people so they can see where they need to improve on and so that's the that's the focus here is to talk about the results of so that survey. So what did they come up with? Well, they, they came away with five main points that 401k plan participants are confused about. And those are, I mean, they're they're uh, pretty basic in nature. So, I mean, it just tells you there's a lot of confusion even about taking the basic uh, ideas there. And this is no insult to the participants. Some of this stuff is hard to know. You've got to actually have some right, the right perspective. You have to have some good information. But number one is how much do they need to save each, how much do they need to put away for retirement, each paycheck or each year? And we'll start that off by saying that the number that the average participant thinks they need to have a comfortable retirement is $1.8 million. Now, how they came up with that, they don't say, but that's the number that was the average number that people came up with. But there are plenty who didn't even have a number. But they people don't know how to get to that number. They don't know how much they need to save, how it needs to be how invested to get to that number. How was the Schwab
2: uh, survey? I mean, how many people? It was not
3: a very long survey. It said the, the so survey took about survey? ten minutes. It was a thousand. Okay, 1, and they do this every year, and it's it's various ages and size of companies. They have the the companies the the plan has All to right, have. At well, least let's think about employees. that one
2: point eight million just for a second. So we've always said four percent withdrawal rate. Well, right now that's very attainable. You could get 4% sitting in a money market fund. You can get over 4%.
3: That's right. We're almost 5. So you five could simply
2: right pull off, you could put your 1.8 million dollars into a money market fund right now as we speak and some money market funds are paying over 5%. Some CDs are paying over 5%. Some short-term government bonds are paying over 5%. On $1.8 million, uh, 5%, that's close to $100,000 a year. It's like $80,000, $90,000 a year. So you could get from your interest earnings about eighty or $90,000 a year. If most of your stuff is paid for, if you're not paying a mortgage or these kinds of things, you know, we're talking about seven, six to $7,000 a month coming in from
3: $1.8 million. And that's what people think they need to have if a comfortable retirement. If they think they need right? that, okay. And I don't know if they, if they do, that's part it of the It depends on part. what you call a
2: comfortable retirement.
3: Exactly. If you don't
2: have a lot of super high spending needs that might occur, you might be right. I know a guy that's got, A lot more than that and he makes it on about 50 a year you know everything's paid for he just doesn't spend much money people are different everybody's a little different than than somebody else but i've always said be careful of taking investment results for granted and thinking that just because you get this kind of result this year you're going to get it next year
3: well, right, and I mean it's it's an average, and the average isn't a static number. It takes it it goes it it fluctuates wildly over the time you're you're participating. But I mean to to the point of how much money you need to save, generally a good way to start anyway is to look at what the long term average returns have been for stocks and bonds, and then you need to to do some math. You start with that. million, if that's your number, and back into it, you can figure out how many years do you have before you retire, and then you can come up with a reasonable idea of how much you need to put away.
2: See, we do it, in a sense, just the opposite at Dupree Financial Group. I'm glad you gave us the results of the Schwab survey, but to us, that number is irrelevant. The amount of money sitting in your account is not I'm not going to say it's irrelevant because it can be used as a starting point to invest, but we, we try to back into it the other way. When we're talking to people, we talk to them about what, what does it cost you to live? Where do your sources of income come from? How reliable are they? Are you bringing in enough income from your various sources on a monthly basis to more than cover your monthly your your monthly spending needs? Uh, it, I know people who, in retirement, they're saving money, right, and they don't have a job, but they are bringing in more than they're sending out or spending through, uh, you know, just being shrewd, being smart. So, uh, I think the wealthiest people out there, it has nothing to do with how much money is in their accounts. It has to do with the ability to live within one's means. And, um, those are people that I admire. In fact, I look up to those kinds of people. We have many of them as clients, who've done a very good job over the years, not only living within one's means, but living well under their means, and they've saved money during retirement. So um,
3: now that's not and they to continue say, to live below their means yes, even in and, retirement. And that's right. not
2: to say everybody's going to be able to do that. There's going to be times when you are going to live outside your means. You're going to have to figure out how to do it, but it happens because that's what
3: life does to you sometimes. Right. And this is, that was one of the five biggest issues that confuse Americans is how much money, how much income do they need to take out once they reach retirement? So you covered that topic, the the question number four, there or the issue number four there. And, and also part of number five, because what are my expenses going to be in retirement? And you're, uh, you're, That's part of what we review with people. We try to help them figure that out. So
2: One of the big problems.
3: So I was
2: around when the whole 401k thing started. I mean, that was at the very beginning of my career. And what people were told to do was put part of your paycheck every month into a group of mutual funds and basically ignore it. The market will make you money over time. Guess what? That's exactly what happened.
3: And that was also back when mutual funds carried an 8% commission for the people selling them. Some of them. Some
2: of those early 401k funds or programs, people uh, paid a commission on every deduction that came out of their paycheck. That quickly began to change to where, you know, four oh one K plans were managed much differently. There was no no commission attached to buying in. But the, the 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 fact is over time quite a bit of money became accumulated in these plans. So for decades people invested for growth. It's what they were told to do, it's what they did and it worked. When you come to what's the distribution phase and no longer the accumulation phase, things change because a growth, port, a growth accumulation program, it works for you in down markets in ways that a distribution getting rid of program works against you in down markets. The very things that worked for you coming up can harm you after uh, you've retired and are taking distributions. So the portfolio, that is the money that's accumulated, you've got to look at perhaps investing it differently. Now you're investing to produce income from what you've accumulated in the past
3: you're just looking at growth. Well, and people are taught, as you said, put money in, in growth and, and forget about it. Forget that's about how it. you prepare for retirement. But there's never any training on what to do once you have grown it. And that's what we're trying to. We're trying to fill that void there by offering the information to help people have their investments, produce more current income for them and help them in their near retirement or or after retirement or in, in as we advocate here. Don't retire if you if you don't have to for health reasons or other reasons because it's uh, it helps in a lot of ways to to keep uh, a regular routine going and, and uh, there Personally, are a lot of benefits right for me. I see no reason
2: to retire. I'm sixty six years old. There is not a thing inside of me that says, you know, I ought to think about retiring. I know myself well enough to know what kind of absolute basket case I would probably become if I didn't have a reason to get up every day. I would, it wouldn't be good for me. wouldn't be good for me mentally, physically, emotionally, a lot of things. So therefore, I continue to do what, and I don't really call it work because it doesn't feel like work to me. It's being productive. It's, it's continuing to do things, you know, that I think are productive. I'll tell you, you look at a guy like, named Warren Buffett who over the years has, I think being in the investment business is a cumulative thing. You can actually get better as you go along because you're always learning different things in every
3: market. So. and in some, some cases you see a cycle that repeats itself that maybe happened. I mean, we talked about this in the last year, Tom, you were uh, in the business when we had the high inflation before and rates went way up and uh, just how to weather that storm, knowing what works in that kind of an environment, you, you, you lived it. So, you know, how to, how to uh, invest during that time period. Yeah. To quote the late Paul Rubens in Pee Wee's Big Adventure,
2: <laughs> Pee-wee, don't you want to stay and watch the movie? And he says, "I don't need to, Dottie. I lived it."
4: <laughs> That's right. So, She's and, looking at me like,
2: "Oh my god."
3: Well, and and on the you've never seen that part of the movie on the Schwab uh, this the Schwab survey though the, some of the other factors. I mean, they. we talk about expense and income in retirement. One, I, I think, important point to bring up is the HSA, uh, the health savings account plans that many people are offered. That's a great way yeah, to take advantage of putting some money away good. for retirement as well. And it works, obviously, if you're younger, the, the more you can save and accumulate. But Unlike the medical savings accounts, you don't actually have to take the money out to pay for healthcare expenses. It's optional, right? And not only that, I mean, you can invest it in, in uh, stocks and bonds or mutual funds, and uh, depending on your your plan opportunity or you know who the uh, plan sponsor what's offered to you at your company. But that is a great way to put some money away. You can take it out in retirement without a penalty. Right. Even if it's not for medical expenses, you have to pay uh, taxes on it if, you, if it's not medical expenses. But it's a great way to have it grow. And since medical expenses are going to be a bigger part of most people's retirement years, it's a great way to to, to leverage the tax savings to, to keep that cost effectively lower by doing that. So that's another suggestion uh, that I, th- I think people would want to take advantage of, we would want to advise them to do that if it was available to them. But the other consideration is when to retire. And most people don't really know. And what I thought was fascinating from the survey is so many people think they're going to retire at 65, but they don't. The, the median retirement age for those survey, and this is a different survey that they quoted in here, uh, that was the average retirement age was 62. And it's because of health care or health issues disability issues and and another one that's caregiving responsibilities for a family member so force people to retire before they are ready to and the flip side of that is there the people surveyed who think they're going to retire early don't they have to have to keep working and they don't cite the reasons for that but the point is that you know on that trying to figure out exactly when to retire you have to be prepared for having to retire before you want to for various reasons Yeah, but it depends on what you
2: call retire. Right. That's a bad word, in my opinion. I I don't like that word.
1: Come up with another one. Yeah, I think
2: there's a better way to switch careers, do something different, make a change. Right. But this retire, enter the next chapter of your life. Sounds like death to me. It sounds like you're just getting ready to go, you know, you're going into God's waiting room or something. And. I just don't think human beings were designed to be that way. I really don't.
1: Well, retirement should be fun. So right. if if you're fun, it's a reward. If, it's a if, reward. You ought to enjoy work. yourself. If your fun is the job that you have that you enjoy, or if your fun is another career of another you sort. You know what? My
2: reward has been being in this business long enough to actually enjoy it. I mean, there were times I didn't. You know, it, it was always fun in some ways, but. Being younger, I was more worried about financial considerations and things like that. Yes, I I think about that every day. But at the same time, you get to a point where you can enjoy what you've done better. Sadly, many uh, jobs do not allow someone to stay into their later part of their career. That might be when they would be the most productive to the enterprise. Right.
1: That's a wrap for this hour. You've been listening to The Tom Dupree Show. Chad Sturgill sitting in for this segment. Give us a call, 859 233 400. You can go to our website and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We'd love to see you. Thanks for listening to the Financial Hour.
0: Ever tells him.